Hey, this is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Mike Clark. Mike, where are you at, and what are you up to? Yeah, no, I appreciate it having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, I am at the University of Arizona, and my role is uh, Director of uh, Clinical and Sports Psychology. Uh, really, here at Arizona, we, we look at sports psych on the full spectrum, so there's mental health stuff, there's mental performance stuff, wellness, leadership, all sorts of things, so... Um, I've been at Arizona uh, for about two years, and uh, I'm loving it. What does a typical day look like for Mike Clark? Uh, okay, so just like coaches, we're going to say uh, it depends or no two days are alike, uh, which, which is definitely true. Uh, there are actually a lot of parallels between sports psychology like as a profession and even lifestyle and coaching, so I'm excited to see where this conversation goes really for that reason. Um, but I would say that really my day starts off. Uh, I, I wake up, I think, I mean, early by my standards, um, like in the fours normally just to get up, have a cup of coffee, wake the brain up, let the body warm up. Um, I run just about every day I run in college and, and really kind of keep that up now. And it's kind of my time to just have some structure in the day, some me time. I enjoy it. Um, some health benefits, of course, all of those things. But, uh, you know, really by the time I'm back and I've walked the dog, I'm probably answering some team's messages or some emails that kind of popped up because our coaches and athletic trainers have been at it since 5.30 or something, right? So things things come up and, uh, you know, might be communicating a little bit that way. I'm usually in the office around eight. Uh, sometimes it could be a little earlier, sometimes later, depending if I pop somewhere before, like if I go out to a practice or a weight session before I go to the office. But uh, the mornings are typically pretty heavy with individual work. So one-on-one -on -one mental health therapy, uh, but also uh, performance consultations with our student athletes. Uh, there are occasionally a few uh, interdisciplinary team meetings that occur in the morning, usually around the noon hour. Afternoon, a little bit more of that, but most afternoons I'm trying to pop out to a practice for a little bit, uh, at least before I head out for the day. Um, I'd say I leave probably five to five 30 most days yet at the end of fall semester and at the end, end of spring semester, when things are heavy, I might be, you know, later at practice floating around doing a team session or just being available. Um, so I'd say that's like a pretty typical day in the life. Um, of course, just like anything, things change. So do you work with every single coach and every single team that is at Arizona? Our department does. So I'm one of three and we, uh, we break it up where one of our providers is primary on a particular team. Most times we also have a secondary on the team just so that, uh, we as like professionals can consult on what's going on and still play in the nice rules of HIPAA and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't work with every single coach uh, or every support staff, but I'm primary on five or six of our 21 teams. Uh, the three of us share a couple of the bigger roster size teams. Uh, so tough to say like who's primary at that point. Um, but the teams I do work on, I work with a lot of the coaches. Um, primarily on coach consultation. So uh, in my role, my, my direct service provision for therapy uh, only extends to our student athletes. 
but that doesn't mean that I can't share themes with a coach. Might say, hey, uh, we just got back from an 11 day road trip and we're right at midterm. Well, let you know, uh, <laughs> some of the guys are tired and they're just not sleeping. So, what, what are we going to do about that? You know, and, um, and that's not breaking any rules. That's just trying to let the coach know what, where the team's at. How important are those those moments of communication being clear, like the coach kind of sharing with you, like, hey, I'm kind of seeing this with my players, and then that moment where you just say, hey, there's a lot going on right now on top of just the travel, but they've also got midterms, they're studying, they're mentally kind of maybe our focus is all over the place. How important is communication for you to be successful in the job that you're at? Uh, I think you already know the answer to this one. Uh, hugely, hugely important. And not just clear, but um, authentic communication. Because I could clearly state, Coach, you know I can't disclose any private or protected health information. They're just in a tough spot. Do something about it. That's clear, kind of. Uh, but that's not like authentic. That's not who I am. So uh, hugely, hugely important to have a relationship with our coaches, of course, professional relationship, but at, at a deeper level that than just like, Hey, thanks for being around, go do your session. But, um, you know, checking in with most of our, our teams, individuals, like at a, at a high rate, I get to know kind of the nuance of what's been going on. So communicating to the coaches helps, uh, sometimes steady the ship and just bring in some context for the coach to use. But it also helps me to do my job better because, well, it's like not exactly a two-way street. There's a ton of information coaches generally share with me because the, the rules of confidentiality don't go both ways, right? Like I'm not allowed to tell them, but they can tell me anything they want. Um, and so that's actually really helpful, I think, as, um, as I kind of gather the the pulse of what the direction the coach wants to go what's been going on um, and sometimes there's some discrepancies between an athlete's perception a coach's perception a support staff's perception so nice to get that information what have you noticed in your two years at arizona in terms of that there used to be a stigma with mental health and now it's becoming a lot more where we're talking about it more. Like even having you on is a huge step in that direction. What have you seen in the two years that like the willingness for like the coaches to talk about it, the players in their one V you know, one V ones with you, have you seen that there's now kind of a more willingness to discuss it? There is uh, I'll also preface this with saying that I, I walked into a really nice environment. Um, and I'm not just saying that, um, Arizona has, has a long, long history of working with, uh, of, of having sports psychology embedded within sports medicine and within athletics, which makes our job a lot easier. Um, I, I'll butcher the amount of years, so I'm not even going to try to guess ballpark 15, uh, when Scott Goldman was the first sports psych at Arizona and created, um, a little bit of the framework in the runway um, and really started to open those doors. So I walked into a, a situation where with the exception of a couple of our more tenured head coaches, every coach was hired after sports was hired and sports was actively involved in, um, in their, the care of their athletes. So I'm lucky because I walked into that and I'm fortunate for the work that my predecessors have done. And I also 
have noticed a shift in the past couple of years. Um, we have a, a we have three full time mental health and mental performance professionals on staff right now, actively as it stands today, hiring for a fourth, uh, which is exciting. And I share this because the more we're around, like I was sharing with you off offline, I have a, a team session in about an hour, um, you know, and and that session is just me and the athletes and the coaches aren't there, but I'll hang around for 45 minutes after that, like around practice. And it's not a, it's not some, why is the psychologist here? It's like, Oh, like he's just watching practice because he is on the sidelines of games or in our dugouts at times and things like that. And it's the more we're around, the stigma comes down that I'm not some shrink in a white lab coat asking you to lay down on my couch, but rather I'm me and I'm around and we can talk about like March madness and we can also talk about your own sports stuff. So yeah, I think it's coming down, but of course, like, like anything, there are still people hesitant to, to discuss. And um, I don't know that we'll ever be totally rid of the stigma. What was it that kind of sparked this interest in psychology and maybe even specifically maybe sports psychology in its way how did this come about was it something maybe in high school was this stuff you were thinking about what what started this all yeah you're right on the money and uh my high school coach should be given like a complimentary sports psychology degree uh daryl gramdorf to, to shout him by name i don't think he's really on twitter or a lot of social media but um great guy and saw us as people first and also knew that we were capable of um, of maybe great things or different things. However, he would kind of communicate that. He would always talk about the six inches between your ears being so important and how the brain is guiding the, the rest of the body and like the mind and your thinking is the way into the brain. And so like, again, like honorary doctorate in sports psych should be given to that guy for those reasons. Uh, and, and I, I started to like psychology in high school. I took AP psychology and, you know, liked it, um, got a scholarship to run at Mississippi state for cross country and track and needed to declare a major. I, I really just disliked everything else. Um, liked psychology really just had plans to run post collegiately. So it was more like check the box. <laughs> um, and so it really wasn't until like my junior year when, looking at graduate schools, thinking about taking the GRE, all that stuff when I'm like actually looking into it and realizing that sports, something I've been around for all my life and then psychology and interest, um, those things could go together. Um, but I was a junior in 2013 when we're talking about this. And that was before the NC2A passed a mandate to have someone like me embedded or at least accessible to our student athletes. And so while there weren't a ton of people to be able to talk to or shadow, um, my track and field director at Mississippi State put me in contact with his old coaching buddy, who's now a sports psych, Rick McGuire at Mizzou. And then it just kind of rolled from there, um, was admitted to the program and learned a lot about it. But really, I mean, truly shout out to my earliest coaches for incorporating elements of composure, confidence, visualization, the way we talk to ourselves into training and even just discussion, because that I think planted like the biggest seed that took, you know, 10 more years to, to blossom, but I'd say shout out to them. How, how helpful was it having like your coach at Mississippi state 
have those connections to reach out for you and set up that opportunity at Missouri, or even the fact that your coach, like you said, kind of poured into you in high school, how important has it been? Not only what, you know, but having some of the right people in your corner. Of course, massive. Um, the, the high school coach just pouring into me in a different way helped in, 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 in ways that I, I try to thank him, but hard to put into words. Um, I got, you know, I got mono in high school during a pretty pivotal time and um, like it, and it's toward the end and I was being recruited and it, it kind of went downhill. And um, during that season, of course, cause I had mono um, and I remember those moments where he was just caring way more about me as a person than as a performer. Um, and at the time I was our, our top runner. So it would be like easy for, I think a lot of coaches to kind of, pressure and to put athletes in a weird spot um, when he didn't. So he modeled a lot of like compassion and building up the person so that like when I did ultimately get the opportunity again, I didn't feel some overburdening sense of like identity wrapped up in outcome. It was like, I'm so grateful that you're healthy. Like what a cool opportunity, like let's go get it kind of thing. And so modeling these early, like take care of the at take care of the person and then the performance can take care of itself kind of thing. Um, huge there, very different in college in, in the sense that like when Al Schmidt put me in contact with Rick McGuire, that was just a pure networking thing. Um, not that Al like wasn't a great coach or didn't pour into us, but to answer your question, without that connection, Mizzou wasn't exactly on my radar and, um, you know, and getting connected with Rick and being one of his last graduate students before he ended up retiring um, was, was actually pretty career changing. And I, I try to thank him about quarterly, but, um, you know, I don't want to be too much of a, a suck up. When you look back at your running days, the high school and into college, how does that help you now that you're on the other side, helping players that are some in similar spots as what you were at, at that level? I would say that it's not needed for every sports psych to have collegiate or pro um, experience, but it really helps. Um, I would say that it's at least early on in the relationship I develop with the athletes I work with early on, many of them say something to the effect of, you know, like they're describing the, the concern they're going through they're they can't quite put their finger on it and they end up being like well like you compete in college right like you, you know how it is you know and it's funny because sure like i ran track in the sec which is like one thing and it can be like bragged upon in some way but like i wasn't a gymnast or like i didn't play football i've never thrown a softball 65 miles an hour a rise ball outside like i've never done that so i laughed to myself because i'm like no, I don't. And sometimes I call him on it. I'm like, no, no, I don't. Come on. I don't know what it's like to, you know, to, to be in Omaha pitching in front of everyone. But um, but at the same time, it, at a much more serious rate, it is helpful to have been in that process and, and really feel feel the days when you feel like a train train ran over you and that you have a million things to do and you're sore and you're tired. And there's just pressures, even if your environment is supportive and um it also helps clinically because there are times when as a clinician, you'd want to say like, wow, maybe you shouldn't be doing your sport then, <laughs> you know, and instead you're like, 
no, that's actually kind of what you signed up for. Um, and so it, I think it's helpful to have that past experience. You just mentioned knowing what it's like to be a cross country runner or be in track, but not necessarily a gymnast. So how, how much have you had to learn about these other sports? I mean, I'm sure you walked in and thought, Oh, we're just going to have conversations. I'm going to deal with them and everything's going to move forward. But clearly when you mention a rise ball, which I have no clue what that is, <laughs> have you had, to, is there been a learning curve, not beyond just the psychology side, but just to understand like, what is the game that these players are playing? Oh yeah, uh, for sure. And I don't know every curriculum in, in, you know, sports psych grad schools across the U S but many don't have the, the sports 101 class, you know, it, there almost should be, there should be like some test that's like how many, you know, how many balls, how many strikes, how many, you know, like how many minutes in the soccer game, you know, like there almost should be, but there wasn't. So the, the learning curve was steep and I would say continues to be steep. Um, one of my favorite interventions when we're getting really into the, the technical and tactical element of any competition, I say to our athletes, um, okay, walk me through your, you know, your pre-shot routine. Even if you're going to talk way over my head, use the language that you use because it's going to make the most sense to them. Right. And so they might be like, yeah, like as a triple back and then you peer out at the end, but then you stop and then like you're dismount, you stick and you hit. And then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But to them, they're using the language. So it helps them process um, almost like you're processing like your native language in a, in a way. Um, and yet it also gives me a chance to learn. Um, but I'd say athletes and having been one and working with them, their BS meters are high. So I, I never try to pretend to know anything I don't know, but I do take those opportunities to kind of soak it up and to learn uh, different elements of the games because yeah, um, Arizona softball is a, a rich tradition and I feel fortunate to work with them, but I also didn't know what a rise ball was until I started working with them. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. Um, and I, I have a private practice outside of Arizona and I work with a number of, uh, athletes and performers in, in different domains. Um, so like I work with a number of jockeys and so that's been a huge learning curve just in the past six months of like the relationship that they have with themselves and the owner of the horse and the horse themselves and where they train and it's a whole process. So, um, you know, it, it, it's always, I'm always learning and it, it's not a line I'm feeding you to sound nice. It's like, if you're not learning about the, the sport, then I don't know how you do the, I don't know how you do the job. The other thing that popped up in my head is a lot of people think of psychology. I'm going to go in, like you talked about earlier, I'm going to sit on a couch and people are going to, mm -hmm. they're just going to talk to me. I'm thinking in this situation, like you're going and working with a team later today, are you kind of immersing yourself? Are you at games? Are you trying to see them not just in small little sessions, but you're also seeing them outside. So they, they're beyond like just a player. They're also like a person, if that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. So like today's team session will happen in their, like this team has a building like where their locker room and all of their stuff is. So I'll be in the building uh, we'll move all of the, the seats around. Um, we'll, we'll start it in sitting in a circle talking about where we're at, check in a little mental warm up. Uh, we'll do an activity where they won't be seated. They'll be up and about. Um, 
and and it's not like ball in hand kind of uh, interventions or or, or or session. It's more it's more process based, at least with this team, um, and also aligns with NCAA mandates where like I'm in a I'm in technically in a medical capacity, not a coaching capacity. So like the use of like implements is also like a little bit of a uh, like a, a rule, <laughs> not a little bit. It's a rule. So it's like I'm not out there leading batting practice. Otherwise I'd be like an accountable coach. Um, I'm, I'm doing my stuff. So yeah, that part's big. I think being around is big. I travel with a number of our teams, not every weekend. Otherwise I would literally never be home. Um, but when there's a value add. And so sometimes it's um, a big competition where one of our teams might be on the road for 10 days and they say, Hey, can we fly you out for the last four or five? And we'll have some team stuff on the road. Can you check in? Um, you know, and it's, it's not so much doing psychotherapy at that point, but it's like, I might be having my coffee in the, in the hotel lounge and a player might swing by and it looks like we're watching sports center and, and laughing, uh, which we probably are, but we're also, you know, Hey, how's last night? That was, that's tough, tough break, you know, 50, 50 call, uh, didn't go your way where are we at. Um, and so it, it's those moments that I, I try to just connect like person to person. Um, we're still talking about sports, but sometimes we're not like sometimes we're eating breakfast, talking crap about whatever, we're <laughs> whatever we've seen on social media or whatever. So uh, similar to, I think what a coach would, um, how they would interact with an athlete. How do you, how do you find balance? Um, Cause I know a lot of coaches I talk to, it's constantly on their mind. And I know there's probably a conversation you have with a, with a player or with a team and you're constantly kind of problem solving and working through how you talked about like being away from home when you're at home, what does Mike do? Is there, a, are you able to kind of turn off and just be Mike Clark, you know, the, the husband and what have you, or is it sometimes you find it where you're distracted and you're so focused on still with the, on, on the work? Yeah, I, I think it, it ebbs and flows. I think, um, these couple months now, like kind of March, April, and spring, is they're notoriously the busiest. Um, just because we're, especially at Arizona, we're we're a spring sport heavy school, and so there's just naturally higher demands, um, you know, for for our services in season. Um, the pressure and stress goes up on our athletes, which then makes them want to reach out more, which is great, right? Talk about stigma being lower, you know great when my when my minutes in the day are, are filled up i think that can that can be a good indicator there's always an argument to be made are you successful if your utilization rate is low or high we can philosophically go down that if you'd like but um but in either case these months are the, are the the months that are harder to turn it off i think but uh over time i've i've learned that you know if someone needs me they will contact me um like a support staff member or a coach and they'll call me. And if that phone goes off, I, I answer it. Um, our phones are on throughout the middle of the night. So you do occasionally get those really late night calls that uh, where there's a, you know, may, maybe a crisis, maybe an emergency, but it's more like, Hey, I'm looping you in because I think I should. And here's what's going on. So those moments are, are unavoidable, right? Like I, I'm going to answer the phone call, but I'd say that, you know, being here at Arizona and I was at Oklahoma before this, both times my, my supervisors really reiterated the importance of 
the balance or the blend we like to call it where um like my my in-laws are coming over for dinner tonight and we're going to be grilling some steaks and i promise you that i'm not going to be thinking about one of our season or teams going to the postseason not because i don't love them not because i don't want them to but like we're grilling steaks and so i'm gonna go <laughs> enjoy a steak you know um we we try to really take some some advantage of the summertime um taking bigger trips than getting away um trying to free up weekends when i'm at home so it's working on a house doing boring diy stuff um you know and i have realized that if you let the house burn down literally at, at home like one that's not what you want in life anyway but two your job's going to be affected by it too. So it's actually an ethical responsibility for a psychologist to be able to manage their own stuff so that if, and when I get a call from someone, I'm in a place to actually help them. So that's how I've kind of sidestepped the guilt of like, wow, I'm leaving to go home. Whereas our physicians, our ATs, our strength staff, our coaches are staying with our athletes and I'm going to go home. Um, but I know that I need to do that because if my cup's empty, then I'm not being, I'm not able to help anyone. That just made me think as well is a lot of times people look at psychologists as a problem solver and fixing. Mm -hmm. Is there still times though that Mike has to go through some moments where he's struggling a little bit as well? Um, is that a same thing where you kind of even share with the players? Like, look, I'm going through something as well. You know, not specifics, but just kind of like I go through ups and downs. I, so they don't just look at you as like, Oh, he's, has no issues, everything. He's always problem solving. Is there a balance of kind of saying, look, letting them know that, look, I'm human like you. I have some ups, I have some downs. Um, and that's like what you just shared, having stuff at home, getting away, like as players and stuff, you got to have your social life outside of the game and all those types of things. I do. And more toward the general sense of, um, you know, dropping some little, some little nuggets along the way. It's kind of the stuff like I, I might tell them like, Hey, um, this is a busy time for all of us. And I'll say myself included, right? Like sleep, sleep goes down a little bit and the stress goes up. Um, of course I'm sharing things like that, but I, I'm also careful not to over disclose. I think that can set um, kind of an unfair dynamic for the athlete. If they feel like they're supposed to be the one mm -hmm. giving me therapy when it's, maybe the other way around. Um, but, but your question is right, right at a fine nuance where, yeah. Um, especially as I'm either the problem solver or the skill builder and hopefully a preventative way I can be seen as the bad guy. Like, Oh yeah, you, you have all the answers. Like you think it's so easy. Like you get to go home and not do this. So appearing human because I am, um, I think is a very, um, very important nuance. You definitely uncovered. So if we go back to your journey, you were Mississippi State um, and end up going to Missouri. How long were you at Missouri and, and what what was that experience like? like? What were you doing? What's a grad assistant doing in the psychology department at Missouri? Yeah, so I was at, I was at Missouri for two years. This was two-year master's. Uh, and again, fortunate uh, to have had some, some unique hands-on experiences. Now, that was a clinical program uh with a sports psychology emphasis so i worked in the counseling center for a, a practicum and that's a oh gosh i don't i think it was 20 hours a week um 
maybe it was less. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a while, uh, but it's uh, it's not a 40 hour a week thing and it's heavily supervised. You're doing therapy. That's with the general population. It wasn't with uh, student athletes, maybe if they came in, but it was through the counseling center on campus. Um, going to a lot of classes. Um, I was still running. Still, I was working at the bike shop, um, you know, and, and immersed in in sports in that way, but also had a an internship with Mizzou Track and Field that was on the more performative side of things. So it was a lot of shadowing and watching team sessions, soaking it in from people who were literally at the end of their career and have didn't think twice before going into that session, probably planned for five seconds and, um, and delivered gold. Ultimately, ultimately kind of coming to a peak where I was able to lead certain segments of team sessions. So it was like during breakouts, like I would go with, you know, a group of high jumpers or a group of distance runners or whatever and, and lead the intervention, especially as uh, with track. I mean, the way that we did it there, we hit uh, a lot of athletes at one time during a team session and track rosters are usually pretty big. So um, kind of is me doing breakout work, um, heavily supervised, a lot of debriefing, um, not me making the decisions, not really me deciding what's going to happen, but, but definitely being part of the planning and, and learning that way, developmentally appropriate, I would say. Um, so that was, yeah, my two-year master's. And it was actually during that time when my advisor was saying, hey, listen, you're going to want to go on and, and, and get a doctorate and you're going to want it to be clinical. Um, you're going to want to be able to help like the whole athlete, not just the performance element of it, uh, of them. And um, I, I wasn't convinced. I, I didn't realize it was a clinical degree that I was even in. Uh, I joke, I was just joking with a buddy of mine. There's only two of us let in that year. And we were in the bookstore uh, buying books for the first time because I was a spoiled, uh, you know, athlete in college and got the, the box of books. So I'm buying books for the first time. And I'm like, I'm seeing like Yalom's group therapy, you know, theory of theory to counseling practice, like all this stuff. And I'm like, I literally look at my buddy Pat and I said, why do we have a bunch of therapy books? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, like at least I'm in the sports psych track, like, aren't you? And he's like, well, yeah, but dude, we're doing therapy in like a year. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, I don't think I, maybe you are. Like, I don't think I am. And he's like, you are. And I literally somehow got through the whole process without realizing that it was really a clinical license eligible program, uh, not just a fun and flashy mental skills, mental performance kind of thing. Um, and so when my advisor brought up, Hey, you might want to go on to the next thing. Um, I wasn't convinced I had like six months of therapy under my belt. I wasn't particularly good at it. It's not why I went there. And, um, he said, by the time you graduate five or six years from now, um, the only people that are going to get hired in the NCAA are going to have clinical degrees. And it's because the NCAA is going to pass a mandate in about a year. And I'm like, I don't know how you know that. Like, well, he was right. I thank him uh, twice a year at least and say, you changed the course of my career again. Um, and personally and professionally, I have you to thank for that. And so not saying that it should be that way. I think more performance only people should be hired in the NCAA. Um, but as it stands, a lot of the jobs require a, a kind of a dual training 
And so it was during all of that, this is kind of a long answer, I realized, but it was during that, during that initial internship with track and field that I realized, like, I kind of want to, kind of want to see the athlete as a whole person and not just, not just one element of them. You mentioned also, I think it was Oklahoma or Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Is that the next stop? Is that your where you go and do the doctorate? Do you stay at Missouri and do the doctorate? How does the next kind of part of the journey kind of move on for you? So the next part is when it gets pretty intense. Uh, the the, the two year masters is is as well in its own way and, and totally new and um, and it's not to minimize that in, in any way. But I was swept into it. Didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And two years flies by when when that happens. Um, this one. A lot different. So I went to UW Milwaukee to get my doctorate in counseling psychology. No sport emphasis, no sport experience in there. It's training you to be a clinical and counseling psychologist. And so got into that program. I'm originally from um, Waukesha, which is just outside Milwaukee. Um, I not exactly the reason why I wanted to go, but I, I think it would have been a good fit. And I didn't get into the other four schools I applied to, but I got in there. So that's where I went. Um, and I'm grateful that I did, but you know, it, it, it's not that I only wanted to go there. It just turned out and it, it gets very intense from there where, um, a full, full course load, um, really, really difficult. I mean, doctoral level coursework. So you're expected to already know all of the basics of everything, even if I maybe, didn't give as much time or energy to that during my master's that you're expected to know it nonetheless. And um, so your full course load, you're, you have a, an applied experience for at least 20 hours a week. You're in a research lab. Um, I was fortunate to be a teaching assistant because of the financial um, aid that it, it, it provides, but that means that I am teaching two or three courses. So that's another 20 hours worth of work. Um, and that, that already is a lot, right? And like, we haven't talked about like doing anything like homework or <laughs> writing papers, which you do a lot of. Um, and we haven't even talked about the sport thing, which I didn't want to let go. And so for the, the first three, three of the five years, it's, it's like that. It's very intense and sleep is low and pressure's high and you're doing a lot and there's no sugarcoating that. And then I was also picking up some, some sports psych experiences along the way. I spent a summer down at IMG Academy um, being a mental performance uh, or a mental conditioning coach, like intern. It's a great experience. I opened my private practice somewhere along the way there, um, seeing high school, uh, mostly high school athletes at that time. And then my fourth year, I worked full-time at a, at a mental health hospital in a PTSD partial hospitalization program. So like a six hour a day program for those who've experienced very, very traumatic and quite frankly, disgusting things. Um, and through that time, writing a dissertation and applying for internship. Internship in the psychology world is the the match. It's the same match algorithm that uh, med school uses. And so during that fourth year, you also go and interview at um, about 17 places is actually the magic number. And you, again, it's an algorithm. I don't know why it's 17, but you, you interview, um, you rank them, they rank you. And on match day in February, uh, computer spits you out an email at like 8.01 AM, not eight, because of course you'd expect that. So it's like always a minute late and you match and it's a legal binding contract and you go there. Um, you don't have an option. And so I fortunately match with Oklahoma. 
uh, which I'm incredibly fortunate for. That was my top choice. I wanted to go there. They have a deep history of sports psychology and truly embedded four days a week in the Oklahoma Athletics Department, one day a week in an outside private practice, which is its own great experience. And so it's through that time that you, it, they, they call it kind of finishing school, you know, like, you know, everything now you're getting ready for independent work and um, you're still supervised, but you're the one making the calls like nine times out of 10 and um, worked with a couple teams there. Um, not, not embedded per se, but going to practice, doing some team sessions, getting to know coaches, which is again, that first opportunity to realize that a coach is just a person, just like an athlete is just a person and you need to get to know them, have a relationship with them, help them stay in your lane. Like it's, it's all those things. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's like a, a pretty intense next step, but, um, after Oklahoma, I was looking for a full-time job and I was fortunate to land at Arizona. So that's kind of, I think how that, I think we, we complete the circle with that. Uh, the one thing you talked about is Arizona sports have a history and a tradition of success. What has it been like stepping into, and it sounds like every step along the way for you has been a, a college that when I hear Mississippi State, Missouri, Oklahoma, even UW-Milwaukee, um, and now Arizona, all very large college like campuses, Division One, Power Five for the most part. What's that like when you walk in in terms of just the surrounding of like you've got even the one that you talked about in Missouri, just the quality of coach that you were around or mentor. And now you're surrounded by just amazing coaches, the athletic program itself. Is that intimidating or is it you're like, dude, this is what I want to do? You know, uh, humbly, it's the it's the latter. It, it's uh, it's refreshing really to be in it where you have this high intense um environment is a lot of intensity there and yet it also feels really personal um it, it with almost every single team and so it was intimidating to go to oklahoma and to make that first step uh, because i was going from truly being a, a clinical trainee in a counseling center or at a mental health hospital, which is, is actually very intense and has incredible parallels to the work I do now, but, but still different. Um, so it was intimidating to go into Oklahoma, um, you know, and, and the, the feedback was always just embrace it, lean into it, the same kind of stuff that we share with our athletes. You know, you can feel nervous, you know, it means you don't want to mess up and that, and that you care about it and that, that it, it's a naturally human experience. So living it firsthand at Oklahoma was, uh, was real for sure. And also because that's kind of the, the trial, like that's like the trial grounds, you, you know, you're looking for a full-time job after that. So it's kind of like, how do I learn the competencies? How do I show that I am open, but also an emerging professional. So that, that part I'll actually contend was, was quite difficult for those reasons, but Stepping into Arizona, um, man, it's um, it's really nice to be around people, and I mean that people, but coaches, support staff, uh, who who can get totally switched on into a conversation and, and very very deep quality discussion and work, and then to kind of snap out of it a little bit and say like like for instance, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first baby in about a month, and so we're really excited about that. And how many coaches have come out and said, hey, like 
some unsolicited advice, but we really like this stroller or this daycare or, hey, we got this little thing for you. And it's like, wow, like you kind of pinch yourself. Like these are just my professional connections and my colleagues who I want to help them do their job better. And yet at the same time, we're just like people. So I don't know if that exactly answers it, but that's, that's kind of how I perceive it. I will say though, there are times when I pinch myself that it's like, this is really my job. Like I really get to do this. And it's, um, I try not to let go of that. When you say something like that about pinching yourself, does this feel like this is where Mike has landed and he'll build a tradition kind of like what Arizona has and continue to grow there? Or is there opportunities maybe do, do sports psychologists have a, you know, in sports, it's like, Oh, I want to go from college to the professional to the, is, is there similar kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Wants or dreams of aspirations. That's what I was going for. Aspirations of maybe, is there another level to where you could go or are you content with, look, I'm going to crush it here. This is where I'm at. I'm just going to kind of see how things work out. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think in the, in the era of transparency, I'm always open to like what could be, I think just professionally that's been so ingrained for the last, I mean, 12 years since I started running in college, 12, 13, whatever it is. So like it's kind of ingrained in you to always kind of be a maximizer, be open, think about what could be next or what could be like better. And yet I've also challenged myself in a big way to like truly like be where your feet are and do incredible work wherever you are. Um, and, and I share this not as some like gamey answer, but truly like I love it at Arizona and I'm pretty certain that my boss knows that and I'm pretty sure the coaches that I work with know that. Um, and so I do feel fortunate here and I don't have a timeline. I'm not trying to jump. Um, there have been times when I've had folks reach out to me and ask if I would be interested in considering another position. And um, I don't know, it, it, things are good, but uh, I will say that there's always the, this like next step in terms of like parenting, you know, and um, like going to be a dad and, and what does that mean for my family and professionally, how does that interact? Um, I have some fairly strong family values and, um, and so I, I don't know how that's going to shape out if I just be really honest. Um, but I, I, it's not like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be here for two years because then my resume looks good. And then I jump. It's, um, some, some do that, um, to answer your question, some, some do want to jump a lot and there's always kind of this like lure of like, Oh, would you want a pro job, um, or not? But the, I've, I've got friends and colleagues who have these pro jobs of teams that you would, that you would know if I just listed off all of them, uh, across all, you know, all five really major divisions, but, um, the job's also different. You know, um, it's more systems based from what I understand. It's kind of how do you help the organization as a whole? Because there may only be 90 people in a pro organization um, versus I have 90 football players on one team here. So the job's different. So it's a long answer. But uh, as it stands today, things are great. Um, feel fortunate. And a lot of life changes coming up. I was going to say, what has your as you're going through all of this and you mentioned your wife Mm -hmm. and it's super exciting to hear that you're going to be having a little one. 
how has she been in terms of being that another support for you as you've gone through this journey? Cause I'm not sure where she joined you along um, it, but how important has it been having her by your side as you are striving to find where am I going to be at? And now you're at Arizona, you're going to be building your family. Um, you know, we talk about with coaches all the time. They always mm-hmm. talk about that person that you don't get to see a whole lot of, but is really, really important in the whole journey. I mean, I really appreciate bringing this up because she, to me, is the support staff behind the support staff if we want to use coaching language. Um, but also, I love her and she is a tremendous uh, source of stability in my life. And um, we met at Mizzou. And so we've been together about eight years. Um, got married a few years back. And, um, you know, she's been through. I don't know, six moves, five moves in the past eight years, you know, like between the move to Milwaukee and then like we moved once when we were there and then moved to Oklahoma and then moved here. So I guess it's only four or five, but whatever. Um, Lots of moves. And um, while I am still bound by confidentiality, I can't say like, oh, first name, last name came in and they were really, they're really struggling and it's weighing on me. Like, I, I, I literally can't say that. Um, she's been through almost all of my master's, all of my doctorate, all my work at Oklahoma, all of my work here. And obviously she knows the teams I travel with and some of the performance work I do. And so it's actually really nice for <laughs> like me to say, hey, uh, coach asked me to travel, you know, in three days, you know, um, I think it's important that I'm there, but what are your thoughts on this? Like what, what, and she might say, I think it's important you're there too. It just seems like, it seems like you're burning the candle at both ends a lot, you know, and um, for her to be able to know me outside of like professional me, but coming home and being like, I'm freaking tired. <laughs> like, And she's like, and you, and you need to go to the, to the East coast, like in two days, and then you're going to be back and you're going to see nine people on Friday. It's like, you're right. And so um, that part, I think, is how she helps me to remain stable, like professionally, uh, but also like she's who I want to spend my life with. And so it's it's honestly been fun. Um, she's adventurous as well. So it's like, cool, we're going to Arizona. Um, now we get to like go live in the Southwest. She's from Missouri. I'm from Wisconsin. So like, um, you know, I, I I'm rambling now because I go on and on and on and and no one really ever asks this question. So I really appreciate um, you asking. It's not, it's not something I prepare to answer, but um, she's, she means, she means a tremendous amount to me professionally and personally, of course, personally. That is a perfect way to shut this chat down. This is Kieran with coach's corner chats with Mike Clark and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.